What's up? This is Makad Brooks. I'm playing James the Bridge Olsen. That's right. And you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio. Super, 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 Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and unfortunately, my usual co-host, Teresa Giacino, is not available for this discussion. But Carly Lane is here with me to talk about Fight or Flight. Carly is the weekend editor at the Mary Sue, and as far as I know, no relation to Lucy Lane. Uh, welcome to Supergirl Radio, Carly, and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm actually, I'm really excited to talk to Supergirl. I lo- I've been loving the show so far, so. That's awesome. Me too. <laughs> well, really glad you can join me. Um, but before we get to our discussion, we have... The news. Actress Tawny Cypress has been cast as Miranda Crane, a senator peddling her anti-alien beliefs to garner votes. Senator Crane finds herself on the other side of the issue when her visit to National City is interrupted by an alien attack, forcing her to possibly accept help from an extraterrestrial Supergirl. So, Carly, what do you think about this description of this uh, character, Miranda Crane, and a possible anti-alien story on Supergirl? I mean, it definitely feels timely. It's interesting, I mean, given the fact that Aliens are kind of regarded with a lot of, you know, people People are very wary of anybody that's different. Um, and, and a lot of them, you know, aside from, aside from the villains that we've seen so far and Superman and Supergirl, it seems like they're kind of mostly trying to keep their, their true selves under wraps. So it's interesting that they're actually ha- going to have a character that's taking such a, a harsh stance against aliens um and it'll be interesting to see how supergirl kind of deals with that because it's because based on based on the summary sounds like supergirl is gonna try to help her regardless of the fact that you know senator crane may not have such friendly feelings for her yeah that's a that's a great point uh to show that Supergirl, regardless of what people think about her, she's she's willing to help people. So I like that a lot. And I think that the anti-alien stuff is kind of a natural, organic story to come out of this. Because as far as we know, in the Supergirl universe, Superman and Supergirl are the only heroes mm-hmm. that are out there. So it would make sense for the world to be like, whoa, we don't know what to do with all these aliens that are all of a sudden showing up <laughs> on Earth. 
Um, so I think this is going to be a, a cool storyline to see. And I am kind of excited, even though I'd have to revisit a little bit. But uh, I recognize Tawny Cypress as Simone DeVoe on Heroes. Um, I think she's on season one. She might have been in season two as well. She was kind of in there with Isaac and Peter Petrelli. So uh, uh, that's kind of right, where, right, that's, right, right. That's kind of where I know her from. So um, it's kind of nice to see a familiar face because for a while there, when people were coming onto the show, I was like, I haven't seen them in anything. I don't, I don't know who these people are, but it's kind of fun to discover somebody. But with this case, it's nice to actually have uh, seen this actress in something previously. So I'm excited about her. According to USA Today, Supergirl has an audience that's nearly evenly split between men and women, with 51% men and 49% women watching. That's a rarity in the male-dominated superhero genre. By contrast, 60% of the adult TV audience for CW's The Flash is male, as are 57% of viewers for Fox's Gotham. The only other comic book series to have nearly equal numbers of men and women is the last to feature a female lead, and that was Marvel's Agent Carter. <laughs> Who knew women also like superheroes? Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think it's interesting that it's it's so evenly split. Because you would think with Supergirl and even a show like Agent Carter with a female lead that it m- might skew more heavily towards women, but it's interesting that it's almost a 50-50 split. You know, what's so funny about this whole adventure I've gone on with Supergirl Radio, I've noticed that there are lots of guys who love Supergirl. Um, I know guys who have podcasts about Supergirl. I know guys who, you know, write blogs and have websites about Supergirl. So I'm, I'm actually not surprised that a lot of men watch it as well as women. So uh, I think that's really cool that it's, it's pretty balanced. Well, and for our last bit of news, Supergirl is a nominee for People's Choice Award in the category of Favorite New TV Drama. So make sure to vote for the show by visiting vote.peopleschoice.com. And I think you can vote more than once. So if you want to do that, you can do that as well. Well, let's get into our discussion of the third episode of Supergirl Season 1. Here's the official description by CBS for Fight or Flight. Supergirl's powers are tested when Reactron, one of Superman's formidable enemies, arrives in National City and targets the young hero. Also, Cat plans to run an expose on Supergirl. So this was a really great episode, and one of the characters I'm really excited about on the show is Cat Grant. So, <laughs> Carly, what did you think about Cat's whole expose and uh, in, in getting the Supergirl interview that she was uh, going after? Well, it's interesting because I know... Later in the episode, Alex asks Kara, why did you give the Supergirl interview to Kat? And Kara says, well, I did it because of of James, you know, prompting Alex to be like, oh, you know, knowing and and knowing, oh, because she kind of she's kind of sensing, you know, the crush like feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, But also she says, you know, Kara says, I did it for me, too. I mean, I I mean, part of me thinks it's because, uh, Kara kind of feels a, a, a loyalty to Kat. Like she, you know, she's worked for her for several years and she's, you know, uh, been her assistant, worked with her very closely and hasn't gotten fired yet. <laughs> I mean, she's, yeah. and I think Kat kind of has a soft spot for her too. But so th- I think that's part of it. I think that loyalty to her is why she would have 
been maybe slightly more comfortable having Kat tell her story, um, even if she wasn't necessarily sure how it was going to go, just because she might be more trusting of her than, say, giving it to another journalist. Yeah, that's a really good point about how she's been working for Kat and she kind of has this loyalty to her. And I like the the little bit from Alex where at the end of the episode they're, they're kind of talking about the expo- expose and Alex says, deep beneath the seething disdain, Kat respects you. And right. I thought that was cool that maybe over time, just like, you know, with Kara, Kara has kind of developed a loyalty to Kat. So maybe Kat has also kind of developed a little bit of an affection for Kara as well. Even though she doesn't know that Kara is Supergirl, there is there's something there that kind of connects them. So, uh, yeah, I was I was really pleased to see Kat Grant, the journalist, Kat Grant, the uh, the writer, get out there. And um, (laughs) I thought it was funny that even. Kara was like, yeah, the article's written really well, but maybe it's a little nasty. <laughs> um, because that it's it's very much the Sterling Gates cat ca- grant. So I was excited to see uh, more from her on the journalism front. Um, what did you think about her, her big party that she throws to launch her published magazine? The big party that she leaves from, you know, 10 minutes in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I mean... Well, the whole scene with her between her and Maxwell Lord was hilarious. Um, you know, you get the sense that the two of them have a lot of history, but I like that they didn't necessarily have to linger too much on exposition. We got a sense of where they were kind of at in their, I don't, I guess you could call it a relationship, you know, with their tension or whatever. They, I mean, they kind of allude to the fact that maybe they've, the two of them have, you know, been intimate in the past or had something you know a kind of kind of a connection but they don't really spend too long you get a sense of where they're at in just a few <laughs> just a brief conversation the length of a dance um <laughs> which i thought was really nice and and then of course she leaves the party before anything crazy starts to happen <laughs> yeah before she- reactor literally breaks through the ceiling and you know causes chaos so I thought that was kind of funny. But of that, course, you know, Kara standing in front of the Supergirl poster. <laughs> at one point, I think I tweeted, like, come on, people. How does, how does no one see? The yeah, it, it says something like, Super, Supergirl, who is she? And Kara's, like, standing there. So, <laughs> right. yeah, that was pretty fun. And I hadn't even thought about that, about how Kat leaves the party before all crap breaks loose. That's so funny. I wonder if, like, the next day she's like, Carl. Or, no, she wouldn't have called her car. She'd be like, Kara, what happened? What happened at the party? Um, oh, man. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, and I, like you, I thought the, the Maxwell Lord cat stuff at the party was really fun. And you can definitely sense there is some history there. And I hope the show gets a chance to explore that because I would like to see how they met, you know, what's their experience been together. Uh, I love their flirt, their flirtation on the dance floor. Um, and since we're still talking about Kat and her expose, um, she had a little bit of writer's block, I thought. Right. Um, I don't know if you can speak to this more than I can uh, since you uh contribute to the mary sue but um do you was was that at all familiar to you at all to be kind of staring at the ceiling and being distracted by people with red hair and hummings and you know the humming in the vents was was that something you could relate to i think it's interesting because i think 
for me and maybe for a lot of other people who write, you know, for for a living or even just as a as a pursuit, a lot of inspiration comes when you're not thinking about what you want to write. If you're distracted doing something else and then an idea comes into your head, you know, for me, it's usually right as I'm falling asleep or getting, you know, in a shower, which is really inconvenient because I have to try and hold on to it until I can, you know, get down, get it, get it down. Um, so I think, I think I can definitely relate. I, I'd staring at a computer screen and trying to make the words come is going to be way more frustrating and going to lead to small distractions and irrational distractions. <laughs> like, like being distracted by, you know, the, the, the guy with the red hair out in the lobby and, and the humming that, you know, she's, she's clearly coming up with on, in her head because Kara can't hear it. Um, so, I mean, that, that to me was funny or, or just fixating on something that you need in order to make your process smoother, like the bulletproof coffee. Um, so that, that to me was funny because I thought, you know, well, maybe it's been a while since she's written mm. something. Um, maybe she's kind of taken more of an, of an editorial role in the last few months or years or however long it's been. So she hasn't really been able to write a big feature like this, especially under a tight deadline. Cause she talks about how they're going to release a special issue of the magazine. Right. So that was, I mean, that was interesting, but also really funny because you got to see a little bit of her process and, and clearly she turned out a great product in the end. Cause even though it was a little nasty, it was, you know, seemed seemed like overall it was a solid piece, but I, I can't speak to how good it was because we didn't get to read it. So yeah, ho- hopefully one day maybe they'll maybe CBS will put that out and uh, we'll get to read her uh, Millennial Falcon piece. Um, but uh, I think that's a good point you bring up that maybe she put a little pressure on herself because this has been something that maybe yeah she hasn't written an article in a while and so she she seemed like she was really stressed out and one of my favorite questions during her interview with Supergirl is that she asks her you know any plans to start a family and Supergirl says nobody ever asked my cousin these questions right and I don't know if you've ever seen this but it made me think of that funny or die video with Kristen Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg um, Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart are kind of in this like interview scenario. And so uh, they kind of act like the, the questions for the two of them have gotten mixed up. And so Jesse Eisenberg is getting all the questions that Kristen Stewart normally gets in an interview situation. Like, you know, all those female directed questions that nobody would ever ask a guy. So right. um, I, I thought that was really funny. I was like, well, that's totally reminding me of a funnier die video. Um, but I think that's a good point that Supergirl puts out there is that, you know, if you're if you're going to treat me like a superhero, treat me just like you would Superman. Right. And, and it, it's even from the beginning of the interview, it seemed like Kat was kind of trying to trap Supergirl in, a, in an answer, you know, because she started asking her about her background and Supergirl said, well, I'm from Krypton and, and Kat said, well, I've heard all this before. So <laughs> I think she kind of tried to get her a little bit riled so that she would slip and say something that maybe she hadn't planned on, which she ended up doing when she revealed that she was Superman's cousin. But, you know, it, it's a very, it's a very investigative style. It's a very, it, it, it kind of speaks to Kat's history as, a journalist who probably 
probably did some not so honest things to try and get a scoop. <laughs> so I, I liked that little bit where she, you know, she, it seemed like she was definitely trying to get a rise out of Supergirl. Well, she did start as a gossip columnist. Right. So right. That, that probably helped her a little bit. <laughs> uh, so she's probably developed some skills to become the super interviewing villain that Kara calls her. Um, Let's talk about Reactron. Speaking of supervillains, um, this was, I would think, a lot of people's first uh, taste of the character of Reactron. He's, he's been in the comics for a, a long time. He's been a super Supergirl uh, villain for a while. And I, I was curious, what was your history with Reactron? Was this the first time you'd ever heard of the character? Yeah, I'd never heard of him before. Um, I did a little research after I watched the episode just to kind of see... Um, maybe how they might have changed him slightly or modified him for the show because obviously they're not going to stay completely true to a lot of the comics history. They're, they've been they've been making fun allusions, but also making it their own in a, in a new and exciting way. So it was interesting though because in the show they kind of played him as somebody that only Superman was familiar with, and then it seemed like well when I was reading he had more of a history with in the comics at least with Supergirl. So that was kind of interesting. And also, I think from the preview, I got it more of a sense, the promo, that maybe he was going to be more of the, I don't know, the villain for a longer period. But it seemed like she really only had a couple battles with him and was able to take him down pretty easily. But it seems like there's been a different villain every episode. So I don't know if. I don't know if we're kind of building towards someone who's more long lasting and she has to tackle some, some, you know, lesser villains to work her way up. Yeah. I would, if there was, well, I was disappointed with kind of two things in this episode. One of them was the way Reactron was handled. Yeah. Um, I thought he looked good. I thought, I thought he looked the part. His suit was very similar to how it is in the comics, but the, the fact that he was a Superman villain um, I kind of had a little bit of an issue with he he, he was in a, you know a super, a super uh, girl slash Superman story when uh, the new Krypton stuff was going on in the comics and I know that Superman was in that story but I like you like you said like when, what I know of him is a Supergirl villain so that was, I was I was kind of disappointed with that um, but I. I'm hoping that he does stick around for a little while because we saw at the end of the episode that he is, he wasn't killed. He didn't right. die. Right. And he, it seemed like he was arrested. Supergirl says, you know, you're going to go to jail. And then I think on one of the video screens, they kind of show him with people around him. So I'm assuming that he got arrested and he was taken off to prison. Um, my hope is that he, uh, forms an alliance with a certain general lane and maybe gets a military connection because that's sort of how it plays out in the comics. And I'm not like, you have to adhere to the comics. But I think the way they've set up the show with Lucy Lane and these kinds of things, I think that would be really cool to see him kind of go in that direction. But I, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. But I would like to see him come back for sure because I think there's, there's so much more you could do there. And uh, what did you think about how he was portrayed in terms of his, his background and his story about um, how he survived the radiation exposure and um, he blamed Superman for the death of his wife? It kind of, 
paints Superman in a in a slightly more a slightly grayer tone because so far all we've really heard about him is you know he's he, we basically see Superman through other people's eyes. We hear about him from James and from Kara and the world's eyes really he can do no wrong. So it's it's interesting to see a character who does not care for Superman, hates Superman, in fact. And and it was interesting when they were talking about Reactron and, and what happened with his wife and a, a casualty, you know. And they and they kind of try to paint it as, well, you know, Superman prevented, uh, the you know, a, a second Chernobyl from happening, but didn't didn't necessarily prevent, you know, the, the casualties that were an unfortunate result of, you know, of trying to stop the catastrophe so I thought that was definitely an interesting way to bring in a character that definitely definitely didn't care about Superman for a reason for a reason other than just you know I'm a bad guy and I and I hate all superheroes and it, it was a little it was something it was a more complex hatred which I thought was really interesting I guess I have a different perspective of that because I thought his motivation was a little cliche and I guess that's because like I know about the cyborg Superman character and how he sort of he sort of blames Superman for the death of his wife so I I was kind of eh, I didn't really care for it but in in terms of the story it made sense and I liked that it is and you make a great point that it Reactron saw Superman differently than other people do and that is definitely an interesting bit about his character. Um, there was also one little thing that came out of the Reactron stuff that I thought was really interesting because it was something I didn't know. But when they find out where um, the connection to Reactron is this place called the Bakerline Nuclear Power Station, um, I was like, that has to be an Easter egg. So <laughs> I looked it up, and apparently Bakerline is one of the six boroughs of Metropolis. It's a middle-class housing community and home of the Olsen family. So I thought that was neat that they worked in something uh, related to James Olsen in the episode. So Reactron, um, he was a different villain. He was a human inside of a mechanical suit instead of just having the aliens from Fort Ross. So I thought that was a good uh, way to have a different bad guy in the episode uh, but I definitely hope he comes back yeah I definitely felt like he was he was underused if only because it's it, I mean it's funny that I always forget that it's an hour-long episode because it, everything just happens so quickly yeah and, I, and before you know it the show's over so I mean if anything my my one wish is that it could be longer but I guess that's what we'll have to wait for next week's episode. So I agree with you. I, I hope they bring him back at some point, maybe towards the end of the season. Yeah, I kind of now that I'm thinking about it, um, when you're talking about him coming back, I <laughs> I wonder if, because Reactron has this thing in some versions of the comics where he has like a gold kryptonite heart in the suit. And I'm wondering, since Kara or Supergirl defeated him by, I guess, covering her hand with lead, I was kind of a little unclear about what she did <laughs> with the lead, but it looked like her hand was covered in lead, and so she stuck her hand in to pull the, the thing out of his chest. Uh, so I wonder if he'll get a new thing for his suit, uh, some sort of replacement um, for that part of the suit. So uh, I 
would like to, <laughs> to see something like that. So we'll see if he does come back. Um, so another new character that we got, well, we got to meet him last week, but we got to see more of him this week. And we already kind of t- talked about his relationship with Cat Grant. But what did you think of Maxwell Lord as his own character in, in terms of uh, what we saw of him with Lord Technologies and how he interacted with Reactron? As of right now, for me, he seems a little bit one note. Um, he definitely comes across as an overconfident guy kind of cocky i mean he definitely he definitely talks to reactron with a little bit of snark and then you know in the scene with cat he's very there's a there's a little bit of a banter there um i was just mad that he didn't give supergirl credit for helping to save his (laughs) life (laughs) i was just as mad as uh, as Kara when that when that interview came up and he gave superman all the credit so i don't know i mean I, i would be interested to see uh see more of him, see him in, in other situations. It just seems like right now he's very, very much uh, presents himself as the cocky, you know, wealthy, wealthy guy who is, is also has, has the smarts to back it up, but knows it. So that's, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, if, if he reappears in later episodes, I think I'm, I'm reserving full judgment for now yeah uh, hopefully we'll get to see more of him and what he's doing with this train that he's been building um and and i i like that he's really really smart like he um he he sounds he sounds like a guy who knows what he's doing and is very good at what he's doing um so i'm curious to see what his train can do and i liked that he had this dichotomy of being really cutthroat with his employees, but at the same time, when Reactron came in to look for someone to fix his suit, he, as I saw it, and maybe I'm just trying to give him a little credit, uh, where maybe I'm just putting this on his character, but it looked like he took the place of his employee on purpose. It wasn't just like a, like a narcissistic, I'm better than him. It was like, I'm going to make sure that this guy thinks that I'm better than him so I can take the place of this employee so that right. he, he doesn't hurt my people. That's so I, true. So I thought yeah. that was really interesting that he has two sides of him, that he he's like, you're fired, you're fired, but I will protect this guy over here. And so so I, I was really surprised by that, actually. And when you were talking about how he gave more credit to Superman uh, saving his life than he did to Supergirl, I thought it was really interesting that he gave her credit but it was in private at the party when reactron kind of comes in and she um supergirl car changes into supergirl and she flies in and protects maxwell lord again he says something like uh i should hire you on as a bodyguard because you keep saving my life and so it's it's funny how he on the tv you know in the public eye he's giving superman the credit but in private he's like I'm recognizing that you saved my my butt twice. <laughs> so I think that's interesting to see what he's going to have to do with the story and where things are going to go in terms of his company, Lord Technologies. And I'm excited to see if he has any more interactions with Cat Grant because I, I was loving their uh, their tension, as you, <laughs> you said. Um, so I am looking forward to seeing what happens with Maxwell Lord in future episodes. Agreed. Okay, so on Supergirl Radio, we haven't talked much about this, but it's been kind of bubbling 
under the surface for a couple of episodes now. Um, Kara and James's relationship, I thought, took um, it took a step further this week. Um, so, what did you think about that whole situation with Kara and James in this episode? I liked the fact that Kara, in Kara's eyes, James does something that makes him not so perfect for once when he when he calls Clark and you know with with his wristwatch to to basically get him to swoop in and save her from reactron um the scene at the party where the two of them dance and have that moment uh, you know where he basically says you know, the, I wasn't. I wasn't doing it because I thought that you were. You weren't capable of handling on your own. I did it because I was scared for you, and I was scared that something was going to happen to you that I would lose you. So, I mean, aside from that being like the perfect line that I would <laughs> just in, in, with the, in his perfect voice. Yeah. Um, I. I mean, I liked. I liked it. I liked that they they were able to kind of go over that hump together. That initial bump in their relationship. Um, I mean, they may not necessarily be pursuing anything romantic right away, especially with the recent arrival of someone (laughs) from James's past that we'll get to talking about. But, um, I liked that it, it gave, it gave the relationship more dimensions than just James kind of being smooth and Kara being awkward around him and, you know, and they're learning to trust each other, but they kind of had to get through that, rough patch first which I feel is more realistic yeah I actually liked James in this episode more than I have in the first two um, because there was actually I felt more to James because of his relationship with Carr and how much he cared about her and I liked that at the party he kind of (laughs) he served his bait a little bit to get Reactron out of the building and I, I think he did that in a way to help Supergirl out. And I think that really endeared me to him, that he was willing to risk his own life to help her out. And it was really nice to see him doing something more than just giving pep talks and being so serious all the time. I feel like James in this show is most of the time very serious. And it was nice to see him being a little goofier this episode Um even when he was teasing Alex about the the secret covert alien hunting that, right. <laughs> that she was doing. So I, it was nice to see that Kara and James's relationship has uh, developed over the first couple of episodes. And it, it was nice to be able, for me, to like James a little more because it wasn't just one-sided. It, you know, you can see over the course of the three episodes that they kind of start to like each other. And uh, so I think that's why it's so disappointing at the end. (laughs) But, um, and I also want to just say that James, as much as I think he can be trusted with Supergirl's secret, I was (laughs) so mad at him for just outing Clark Kent as Superman. Yes. You had one job, James, um, and that's not to reveal the identity of the most powerful man in the universe. Um, (laughs) I don't know how you thought about that, but I was like, they, they they have some trust issues that you know might come into play. <laughs> it's interesting to me how how early were were these info reveals are happening because a lot of shows I think especially with the superhero genre they, there's a lot of buildup 
they wait to to reveal secret identities, you know, sometimes an entire season. And Supergirl tells people in the first episode, you know, who she really right. is. So it, it's interesting how accelerated that was. I don't have any complaints about it. I think I actually think it's really great. It's refreshing because it allows the show to focus on other storylines that, frankly, I think are a lot more interesting than maintaining the secret identity because I think that, that kind of gets a little bit old after a while mm-hmm. just because we've seen it so many times before so but yeah the the, the Clark Kent thing was really funny just because it was an aside and and Wynn had his mind blown for about <laughs> 20 minutes after that happened <laughs> yeah and I guess for Wynn to find out it's not so bad because he's also keeping Kara's secret so uh, he seems like a, a pretty trustworthy guy at the moment, so I guess it's not going to hurt anybody that he knows that Clark Kent is Superman, but I was still kind of like, James, you're supposed to be his best friend. <laughs> Maybe don't tell everybody his secret. Right. Um, and speaking of when, uh, he and Kara had some interactions in this episode that could have been interpreted as romantic, and I even saw like the official Supergirl Twitter account was like, retweet if you ship James and Kara or retweet if you ship uh, Wynn and Kara. And I was like, oh, it's already starting three episodes in. Um, But uh, what do you think about Wynn in this episode? I just want to know where he got all that computer equipment. I mean, I think is Taco such a big company that no one's going to notice all this computer equipment is missing? (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. I mean, that's, that's kind of the implication is that the they're making pretty good money and I guess and he said something about no one wanting to be in the office where the the guy that had a heart attack at his desk so yeah. they were able to use it as their new Supergirl HQ um, I I liked the scene at the at the uh, party with Kara I liked the little moment they had I, I mean I interpreted it as, as more I don't know if I necessarily thought that it was a romantic moment to me, it seemed more like he had her back as a friend. I could see how other people might have perceived it as romantic, but I have to say, side by side with the James and Kara conversation and pretty much the same scene, that, yeah, there's no contest as to which one was more romantic to me. Oh, no, for sure. There, one of the relationships has a lot more depth, and I, I think Wynn and Kara definitely have a more of a best friend vibe um and i the the only thing that i think is interesting to me and what i'm kind of struggling with in this love triangle business on supergirl is that in this episode i thought when had a lot more faith in kara as supergirl than james did um because when they're in the super friends office i guess you could say um he talks about how like oh well here's our plan to find reactron and then we can just let supergirl go all you know supergirl on reactron and to me it seemed like he had more faith in her as a hero and as a superhero and james was just like you know I'm, I, I think you need to, to call your cousin on this one. Um, and I know why James had that instinct, because he was scared that he would lose Kara. But part of me wishes that James did have that kind of faith that Wynn does in her. And maybe eventually he will, um, after this incident with the Signal Watch. Um, but I just thought that was really interesting that there are things that 
are appealing to me about James and Kara's relationship, but there are also things that are appealing to me about Wynn and Kara's relationship. And Kara and Wynn have the history. I mean, they've known each other for a while. They have a longer friendship in terms of a duration. And and, and James and Kara, meanwhile, it's it's sort of in that initial stage of I like you, you like me, but we don't really know each other yet. I mean, we're getting to know each other, but we don't, they don't have the history that Kara and Wynn do. So I think that's one of the main differences in, in terms of, especially how the actors too are kind of playing that is, you know, it's, it's kind of the crush versus the really good friend that kind of likes you a little bit. So <laughs> maybe, and maybe you don't know how you feel about him. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's another thing I think about sometimes. Like, you know, she, and James is cute, but she doesn't really know him as much as she knows Wynn. So yeah. I don't know. There are definitely two different kinds of relationships and uh, ones that can go either way. And what I... <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with tri- love triangles. I, I get it. I know why they're used. They're, they're in there to cause drama and conflict and to me, I think they're kind of a, a riding crutch myself. Um, but this episode seemed like it was setting up two love triangles. <laughs> One between James and Kara and Wen, and James and Kara and Lucy. So what did you think about Lucy Lane's arrival in this episode? I mean, we don't get a lot uh, of her at the end. It's, just, it's basically just a, a small snippet of conversation that's a little bit awkward we see more of her in the preview for next week. But um, I, I, I mean, I'm curious to know if it's going to be a situation where she kind of comes in to throw a wrench in the James Carr relationship, or she's going to end up having her own plot line. I mean, I really hope that they don't fall back on the cliched thing of two girls are going after the same guy and they, and they start, being really catty you know I, I i feel like the show is better than that 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 trope so i'm part of me is secretly hoping that Kara and lucy will just become best friends and james will be over there scratching his head like, <laughs> like how did this happen <laughs> that would be really cool because they sort of bonded in that little brief moment that they met each other where lucy um said Lois is my big sister which I love because I'm a big Lois Lane fan um, and Kara's like well I have one of those too <laughs> so I yeah. thought that I thought that was cute and I I do think that they have the potential to be friends um, I'm not sure if you're very familiar with Lucy Lane in the comics um, so I don't want to spoil you about what uh, sometimes uh, she can become <laughs> uh, so I will stop before I say anything more but I thought Lucy seemed to be a really good connection to James's past. And I, I think she's kind of the reflection of his past in Metropolis. And Kara's like his reflection of his future in National City. Because Lucy, I thought it was really pointed that Lucy calls him Jimmy still, even though... James insists that everybody call him James. And even Kara tells Alex, you know, actually he prefers James. So I thought that was really interesting because it reminded me, I'm a big Lost fan. So it reminded me of Lost where on the show, Sawyer, his real name was actually James. And so there would be those people um, 
who didn't know him very well who would call him Sawyer, uh, which was like the name he kind of gives himself because it's the guy who he blames for his parents' death, and it's kind of a weird thing that he does. But um, the people who respect him or who love him call him James. His his friends, his his girlfriends, um, they they all call him James. So I thought it was really interesting that Lucy is the one who calls him Jimmy, whereas Kara calls him James. So I thought that was uh, a really neat way to differentiate between the past and the future of who James is. Yeah, I, I think they might use Lucy as a way to flesh James out a little more. To, get, to give you a sense of maybe what he was doing before he came to National City, because it's still pretty mysterious. And, and even just to kind of see what their relationship is like, because clearly they have history. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in finding out more. Well, and speaking of finding out more about a character on this show, uh, we got to see some Superman. Well, we sort of saw some Superman, I guess I should say. Um, he kind of came to Supergirl's rescue and there was a really nice scene at the end of the episode. So what did you think about how they used Superman and Clark Kent in this episode? I liked that we only saw Superman through Kara's perspective. Mm. Cause in the scene where she's fighting Reactron, you know, and, and he gets the better of her and she's, she's starts to pass out cause she's basically, gets the wind knocked out of her, you know, to the extreme, and she's st- slowly starting to lose consciousness. So we see Superman, but only from her fading perspective as she kind of starts to pass out and, you know, lose consciousness. And then the chat at the end, was I thought was, I don't know how, but they made it really a really touching moment. <laughs> how do, I don't know how they make I Am so... <laughs> emotional. I think it was the music. I started yeah. getting really choked up. I was like, I don't understand this. It's just, it's just, they're just using instant messenger. <laughs> um, but it was a really sweet moment. And uh, it definitely reinforced the idea that, you know, super, I mean, Superman's always going to be kind of in the background, maybe not necessarily looming over everything. Cause as Supergirl starts to make a name for herself and, you know, she's she's in a new city and she's establishing herself as a hero. But maybe he'll just pop up from time to time and kind of be there to give Kara a pep talk, especially like he did at the end, which I thought was really sweet. I like your point about how we saw him from Supergirl's perspective. And I think that's actually the 100% right way to both describe it and to use it because it should be her story first and foremost and I like the idea that we would we would get to know Superman through Kara's through her eyes through her screen um, so I like the way they used him in the story because I'm, I'm a big fan of Superman and Supergirl's relationship because I think the, the fact that they are family is a really nice thing for both of those characters because they're they're the family that neither of them really has but also wants because they don't they don't have their biological parents anymore they don't have their home world anymore so they are the only links to Krypton that they have and so I think their relationship is very key to both of their characters so I was pleased to see that 
Superman was no longer just that guy who dropped her off at the Danvers house. He's actually trying to intervene in her life to help her out, but also to encourage her. I thought it was really great that, like, he even says, you know, you're doing great. You, you did something I never could. And it was something that I think she needed to hear in that moment, especially after the whole Lucy Lane encounter. She was feeling kind of down on herself. And so I liked that he took that time to encourage her, even if it was just through instant messaging. I, I thought that was really nice. Yes, I don't know. Only Supergirl can make uh, technology emotional. First the AI last week. and then mm, yeah. <laughs> And then the instant message this week. I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> it's technology. It's cold and unfeeling. But, <laughs> and yet somehow I have feelings. Yeah, it was, it was a really nice moment. Well, what are your overall thoughts about this episode? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, Do you have any favorite moments? I liked it a lot. I, I think it, it's my favorite episode so far. I liked the fact that we get to kind of see, like I said before, um, a not-so-perfect moment between James and Kara. I like that the two of them have a conversation that, you know, it's 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 honest, and it's... It, it, you know, he, he, he says that he cares about her, and, you know, he's, his, he had a motive for helping her that might have been a little bit more selfish, but he was honest about it, which I really liked, and all the Alex and Kara moments, especially the scene at the end. I was yes. actually, kind of, I was actually kind of happy that it ended on a sister moment between the two of them, just, you know, eating takeout and getting ready to watch Homeland, which I think is hilarious that yeah. Homeland is, is a fictional show in the Supergirl universe. Well, what does um, Hank Henshaw think about that? That's what I want to know. Right? <laughs> what are his feelings on Homeland? Um, and you know, that she, that she doesn't get to, stay because she has to go save the world. But I yeah, I liked I liked that it ended on the sister moment. The 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 sister relationship between Alex and Kara is one of my favorites, if not my favorite relationship on the show right now. So I'm always really excited when I get to there's scenes between them that we get to see. Oh yeah, and it was so wonderfully executed because the last thing you see before it cuts to that scene is Clark typing out what else his family for. And then it cuts to the sisters. And I think that's great that Kara has a connection with her Kryptonian family, but also has this really great relationship with her her, her Earthling family, I guess, if you want to say. Um, and I love their little bit where Alex is like, I hope you get fat. And Kara says, not on this planet. Um, you know, it's just a, a nice thing to see them kind of goofing around with each other and, and having fun, um, kind of taking a break since most of the time when we see them on the show, they're, you know, in these dire situations. So it's nice to see them kind of chilling out and having a good time. And I I like that they're always enforcing or reinforcing to each other how much they mean to each other. Kara says, you know, I may not need Superman um, to be a hero, but I will always need you. And I I think that's really great because they're very supportive of each other. And so I, I would agree that their relationship is one of my favorites on the show. Um, for me, I had a few little nitpicks like the Reactron thing and how I'm not hugely a, a fan of love triangles. So I'm not really excited about this whole scenario with two triangles on the show. But uh, overall, I thought this was a really strong episode. Um, I'm still loving Cat Grant. Um, <laughs> I love that she asks Supergirl, do you have a day job? 
um, that kind of stuff. And I like what they're visually doing with Supergirl's heroics, the way she flew out of the bus rescuing the bus driver. I thought that was a beautiful shot. I loved using her cape to protect her. I thought that was very Max Fleischer. Um, So I thought those things are really cool to me. I think they're doing a great job with um, just being on television. I I think that's great. And uh, like like we just talked about, I love all the the family dynamics on the show. So uh, I'm really still enjoying Supergirl. Um, Well, that's going to do it for our discussion. Uh, So let's find out what our listeners had to say about this episode of Fight or Flight. At Fanto says, applauds. (laughs) Just that. At Mojotastic says, I'm just going to steal from Clark Kent and summarize my thoughts in emoticons. Smiley face. (laughs) At Styled by Kesha says, I really like how Supergirl is writing her own story one villain at a time. It's empowering. At Flying Meerkat says, loved it. This is the best one yet. At Luna de April says, Maxwell is sexy, smart, and a bit mischievous. Love it. <laughs> At Bailey's podcast says, pretty sure they gave Reactron a modified version of Neutron's origin. Yeah, I was not as familiar with Neutron, so I had to go and look him up and it I think that Michael Bailey at Bailey's podcast is correct. It's very similar to Neutron's origin. Um, I guess for Reactron, they couldn't really do the whole sergeant in the the U.S. Army affected by um, one of the characters of the Doom Patrol, Tempest, his energy blasts kind of affected him in the original origin of Reactron. So I I guess they couldn't do that. So they went with a a modified uh, version of of Neutron's, if you will. Um, But... Hopefully we'll still see him down the line and, and kind of have a little bit of a different uh, take, maybe not following just the Neutron origin. Maybe they'll do something a little different. Like I said, I hope he, he uh, connects with General Lane sometime in the future, and uh, I would love to see him working with Metallo because uh, they have a, a good little team up in the comics. At Bman923 says, I loved it. More please. At John Reed's comic says, that was probably the most heartfelt episode yet didn't want Supergirl to need help, but now she has a place to grow from. At Will Montgomer 14 says, another strong episode. Can't wait till next week. At Tom wrote this says, favorite one so far. Great villain, great fights, a super rescue, and that final scene with Alex and Kara. Loved it. At Alex Chapman says, amazing episode tonight. Action and special effects were awesome. Melissa Benoist is so outstanding on screen. We also got an email from Corinne who wrote in saying, quote, I loved that the Cat Grant in the show is very much the Cat Grant of Sterling Gates' stellar run on Supergirl. I look forward to learning more about her past and why she fell out with the Daily Planet and specifically Lois and Clark. I have ideas, but they're just theories, unquote. Yeah, I loved <laughs> this episode. She, uh, she told the Daily Planet to suck it, and I thought that was awesome. <laughs> it was one of my favorite moments of the episode, and... Corinne, if you've got theories, let us know what they are, because I'm very, very curious to hear what's driving Cat Grant to scoop the Daily Planet. So let us know what those theories are. Uh, Here's an email from Gregory, who wrote in about the episode Stronger Together, saying, I am so proud of Kara for realizing that what makes her better than her cousin at what she does is her relying on her supportive team, Alex, James, Wynn, Hank, and Kat, to learn how to handle each situation instead of just flying solo. And Gregory also shared some thoughts on this week's episode, Fight or Flight, saying, quote, I felt for Carl when she explained that she should not have to ask Superman for help because she came to Earth to protect him, not the other way around. 
it really made me empathize with her even more. I could also tell that her voice was probably meant to represent the voice of the audience, too, as we all would like to see Kara stand on her own two feet. I think that's a great point. A listener named John wrote in to share some thoughts about what he thinks will happen with Hank Henshaw. John writes, I currently anticipate his story to play out a bit like Caitlin's on The Flash. We know who they're going to be, but it will happen slowly when the story is ready. I think when will be like Tommy Merlin, where we hear the name and our ears perk up, but it turns out he's connected to the bad guy and is not himself the bad guy. Yeah, I hope he's not Tommy Merlin because Tommy did not uh, fare so well <laughs> at the no. end of season one. So let's hope that he does not have the same fate as Tommy. Um, but since we're talking about Hank Henshaw, I thought I would mention on Twitter, we had a couple of uh, replies about Hank Henshaw and some of the theories people have. And at McKeeve Michelle thinks Hank is an alien that was trapped in the Phantom Zone. At Garcian underscore Smith tweeted, quote, my theory is he isn't called Hank Henshaw, but is called Simon Borg Superman, though he likes to shorten it to Cy. <laughs> I like that theory. Um, and at Bailey's podcast tweeted that he wants to see Hank Henshaw eating some Oreos, which is, of course, a reference to the theory that Hank Henshaw is really Martian Manhunter and a lot of people think that because of his glowy red eyes um, and I think that's it's valid it could very well happen because Martian Manhunter is a shape sh shifter but I also thought I don't know that, that you felt this way Carly but some of Hank's uh, moments in this week's episode were pretty creepy one comes to mind is when he hears Alex in the DEO and he goes to stand outside the, the room she's in he's kind of like staring at her from outside the window I was like, oh, you are such a creepster right now, Hank. So uh, I don't know. What are, your, what are your thoughts about Hank Henshaw? Yeah, I'm conflicted. I mean, because for as much as we've seen so far of him being, I don't know, with the glowy red eyes and the creepy staring, he's also had some moments, too, where he's, I don't know if it's something that he's putting on or faking, but he's had some softer moments towards... Kara and Alex, you know, in, in Kara, he called her Supergirl uh, in the last episode. So I, I don't know. I'm very conflicted about his character right now. I feel like I, at this point, I'm just going to wait and see because <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, it could go either way because right now he seems like a hero. He seems like an ally for Supergirl. But sometimes the way they shoot him and the, the way he uh, reacts to certain things uh, kind of gives me the creeps. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do with him, but uh, it should be fun to see his progression because last week I didn't even know if he could control the red glowy eyes, but it looks like this week he can um, because when he heard Alex, that's when the eyes kind of started to glow. So I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with him in future episodes. Um, a listener named Red5 wrote in with a hiatus suggestion, because we were asking about those, for us to check out. Red5 recommended Adventure Comics number 406 to number 424 when Kara, or in this case Linda, worked at KSF-TV, fancied Jeff Anderson, hung around with Johnny Drew, and was taunted by Lex's niece named Nasty. Yes, her name, her name, <laughs> I guess it's short, um, uh, for her actual name, but her, her name uh, is Nasty, which is hilarious. Um, but it definitely sounds like that recommendation has some parallels to the Supergirl TV series. So thank you so much for passing that along. 
Stefan wrote in to mention that when Kara took off to rescue the plane in the first episode, it mirrors the performance by Dean Cain in the Lois and Clark TV show pilot when he first flew, since he actually also ran in an alley to take off secretly. And our last email comes from Matthew, who wrote, quote, totally agree about the glasses thing, which is something we talked about in our episode about the pilot. Just another reminder that Hollywood is anti-corrective lenses, unquote. Um, And Matthew, Hollywood is even more anti-corrective lenses than we thought, because according to an article at tvguide.com, Cara's adoptive father, Jeremiah Danvers, played by Dean Cain, which good to finally have a confirmation of his name. Uh, Jeremiah was the one who designed the glasses for her to counteract the power of her x-ray vision. They actually, uh, according to that article, shot a scene that was cut from the pilot showing that they are lined with lead. In the scene, Kara can not only hear everyone in her school, but she can see through everybody. Uh, Greg Berlanti says that Kara's glasses became, quote, a symbol of suppression and being normal, unquote. And although Kara has since learned to control her vision, she still wears her glasses because, as Allie Adler says, quote, they've become a security item at some point, unquote, and that taking them off is a real statement for her physically and emotionally. So as somebody who wears contacts and glasses, <laughs> this seems like a real downer on corrective lenses. Um, but I get what they're trying to say, that um, there's a need to, to show her trying to be normal versus her being a superhero and her real self. So I get that. And I, I also thought it was really funny in this episode, Fight or Flight, that Kat actually puts on two pairs of glasses when she's freaking out and trying to write her piece on Supergirl. So that made me laugh. Well, that's going to do it for our feedback this week. And uh, Carly, thank you so much for coming on Supergirl Radio and talking about this episode with me. Uh, How can our listeners find you on the internet? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm pretty much only active on Twitter in terms of uh, where you can find me on social media. And uh, I'm Equivocarly on Twitter. And uh, like you said at the beginning of the episode, I am uh, the weekend editor at the Mary Sue. So I get to work with uh, your co-host Teresa on occasion, and uh, you can you can find all my writing there. Very cool. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And I just want to give a shout out to some listeners on Twitter at TNSBAW and at Ash underscore girl 19 for correcting me on what I said about the pilot audio commentary. They pointed out that the note CBS gave was to put Alex Danvers on the plane, not that they came up with the flight sequence all on their own. So I was giving CBS way too much credit with that. Berlanti and his folks uh, wanted Kara to save the plane, but CBS suggested the more personal connection to the rescue, which I like. I think that actually makes a lot of sense. It gives reason, uh, gives Kara a reason to to get up there and save the plane, even though you know saving a plane full of people is enough reason as it is. But it's nice to have that per- personal connection. And I also really like that. And I don't think we talked about this when we talked about the pilot, but. I I like that when you see that sequence, Alex is shown kind of helping other people and she's not really freaking out. She's really brave and kind of reaching out to her other 
uh, passengers on the plane. So I really like that sequence, and uh, I think the personal connection is very good there. So thank you, Beth and Ashley, for catching my misunderstanding (laughs) and uh, for keeping me honest. I think that's great. Just seeing if you guys are paying attention. That's really what that is. (laughs) Um, Well, we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we are a part of the DCTV podcast circle, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even DC Movies, we've got a podcast for that. Subscribe to our DCTV podcast mega feed and follow at DCTV podcast on Twitter and like DCTV podcast on Facebook. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. And even though Teresa's not here this week, uh, we're going to remind everybody her Supergirl video series called The House of L is going to be posted on Thursday at themarysue.com. So be sure to check that out. Yes, those are always really fun. Um, If you would like to stick around for a quick spoiler section about next week's episode of Supergirl, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And remember, nothing says powerful more than leaving your own party early. Can Supergirl have it all? Not with that hair. Use conditioner for God's sake. Is Jimmy seeing anyone? What? No. What about Supergirl? (laughs) New Supergirl, CBS next Monday, or stream it live or on demand. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called, How Does She Do It? And this, this episode title sort of reminds me of Tina Fey and how, like, she got really annoyed with people always asking her, how do you do it? How do you act in a show and write on a show and executive produce and have children? How do you do it? So it sort of reminds me of Tina Fey, which I think is funny. Um, the official description for episode four says, Cars two identities are stretched thin when Supergirl must protect National City from a series of bombings. And Kara is tasked with babysitting Cat's son, Carter. Also, James is conflicted when his ex-girlfriend, Lucy Lane, seeks to rekindle their relationship. Carly, what in that description jumps out at you uh, that, that gets you excited about next week? First of all, Cat has a child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that immediately, that, that to me is something I'm interested in. Just now we, we know that she's a mom. So that, that adds a new dimension to her character that makes me really excited. Um, and also just to see how Kara deals with taking care of a baby. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't say how old he is, but I'm, I'm really interested in seeing, since she's, since she's the uh, younger sibling, how she kind of deals with having to take care of somebody who's younger than she is. 
That's a good point. Um, Kat's son, I forget how old he is, but he's he's like a kid. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think that that's a great point that you bring up, that Kara is kind of used to being the younger sister. Uh, and in this situation, she would be the older person having to kind of babysit him. So it will be interesting to see how she handles it and what kind of relationship they develop uh, to see if she kind of forms a bond with Carter. And I am very <laughs> excited to see Cat Grant as a mom uh, because in the comics, that's one of her biggest stories is um, what happens to her son. Um, so I think this is, this is definitely going to bring a new side to Cat Grant because she's normally very harsh and very, um, very much the boss and the CEO and, um, the hard nosed journalist. So to see her with somebody who might make her more vulnerable is going to be very interesting. And I think Callista is such a great actress that, uh, I'm excited to see what she does with that. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we're going to wrap this up, and we'll be back with another episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.